Welcome back. We are the Varen Bros. And before we begin, we just want to give a quick shout out to all the comic book stores, to the staff members, and to the people in the community. Thank you so much. We had a blast on Free Comic Book Day. That being said, I'll be introducing to the team. First up, our first Varen Bro is a pro gamer who will test you, embarrass you, and disrespect you till it's game over. I give you Young G! That was, sad. That was well said. Thank you. Our next variant bro gives a little finesse to the world. He gives you the power to your ranger, the ninja to your turtle, the justice to your league. I give you L Charms! Stay lucky, my friends. Yeah. Our third variant bro has one of the brilliant minds and can outsmart Dr. Ock, Dr. Doom, and the Batman. And the list goes on. I give you the professor! I didn't know we were at the point where we could lie to the audience yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I am Matt D. I'm going to be your host for today. So our comic book of the week, a.k.a. Cal, is Kang the Conqueror. And before we get into that, I would like to start off with the what if question of the day. The what if question of the day is, if you were Kang the Conqueror and went back in time, what would you tell your younger self? I will start off first. Uh, as for me... I'll probably tell myself, basically, I'll go after the key comics that are out there. You know, tell them, like, which ones is going to, you know, skyrocket and to collect them. So that'll probably be the best thing I'll tell my younger self. You, uh, Young G? Yeah, as for myself, i probably, uh, you know, go back in time and uh, tell uh, Younger G, hey, uh, Maddie's going to ask this uh, crazy question about, hey, if you had to go back in time and... <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Oh, sorry, uh, you got to go back in time and answer this question, or you're going to answer a question in the future, uh, think of a better answer, you know? Uh, I'd probably do that. i just let them know what the question was or is going to be. I love it. I love it. All right, how about you, El Charms? So if I had to answer this question, and I'm answering it right now, here live, I'd tell myself, you're not going to believe this, kid, but um, you're going to be on a podcast a few years from now, so you should probably figure out how to be better at your improv. Very nice, very nice. And you, Professor? I'd hate to be the only one with a real answer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if I could go back in time and tell myself something, I would be like, hey, kid, <clears throat> don't trade those holographic Charizards for $2, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you're, not, you're not wrong there. You're not wrong there. <laughs> $2? Really? I was in middle school, man. <laughs> Ouch. That's gotta hurt. Would you would you buy a bag of chips or something? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Alright, so now we'll start off with our first variant, which is Comic of the Week, and I'll pass it on to El Charm. And as everybody knows, our Comic of the Week is Kang the Conqueror by Jackson Langsing, Colin Kelly, and Carlos Magno. He came, he kanged, he conquered. Issue 1 is Kang of Kang the Conqueror gives you the background to Marvel's newest Big Bad, a setup at the end of Loki, the Loki series. It's a story about your future self coming back to teach your past self how not to make the same mistakes they did. But will the lesson stick? The only way you find out is by reading Kang the Conqueror, number one. Very nice, very nice. So now we're going to go to heavy uh, swirlers. Moving on. If you'd like to stay and listen, proceed. The floor is yours, guys. All right, I'm just going to go quick around the room. How many of us actually enjoyed this comic? I just really want to get like a temperature of the room real quick. I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, it took me a second time to, you know, catch all details. But yeah, I very much enjoy it for a first, you know, uh, comic book issue. Like a number one, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of piggyback off of that is compared to all the first issues I've read thus far, it's it's a decent comic. Okay. I kind of was maybe it was just disappointed because I was expecting more from it. Um, like I said in our in our summary, he's the new big bad, and we're expecting to see him in the Ant Man movie. I'm wondering if he's just going to be end- ending up one of being one of those like mini bosses that they fight throughout their their higher you know arc that they go through. I hope he doesn't. Uh, I think Kang is a very cool villain. This book, I mean, it's just an issue one, so there's not really a lot of substance to it quite yet. But what we do get here is basically fundamentally Kang. You know, he can travel through time. Usually he goes back and tries to convince his past self to, you know, become even stronger. And, you know, it usually doesn't end up working because time travel. Yeah, I mean, a guy that could time travel, I mean, that's like part of the best powers you could get. But I mean, it's not really his power, right? I mean, he's using a device that lets him time travel. Yeah, but not many can do that. I mean, you're not you're not wrong, but I, I just kind of I'm trying to figure out what makes him so not unique, but like so powerful. Yeah, what else can he do? Yeah, aside from that tra- time travel, it's just a little taste. Oh, <laughs> maybe you're right. I forgot his first issue. Yeah. <laughs> so let's take a dive into the issue. Uh, the issue opens up with Kang in a, some sort of battle, kind of contemplating his life. Yeah, he very uh, basically quotes Alexander, you know, the Great, how he conquered all of uh, what Europe and Asia is it? Uh, basically, from Greece to about uh, the steppes of China, and also some of Africa, um, Egypt, I believe. Egypt. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, so not quite <laughs> India though. Not quite India, but but we do get also another. The other thing is we see his younger self coming through, and his younger self, and this is something I didn't know. I had to kind of look back and research this. Is that he's re- he's a descendant of Reed Richards. His name is. Can someone fill me in on his name? Nathaniel Richards. Nathaniel oh. Richards. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's uh, his his name is Nathaniel Richards. Descendant of Reed Richards and I mean that was pretty cool to see someone come down like that to be honest I thought he might be a descendant of uh, Tony Stark since he is Iron Lad in one of his lives but we're not there yet and maybe we'll see that in the future I do like how they reveal Doctor Doom in the story it's not actual Doctor Doom but a robot of him and yeah that was pretty cool that they introduced like another you know old character into this new um, Kang the Conqueror so that was pretty dope how about you guys what you thought about Doctor Doom being in it um, yeah Kang seems to have a lot of history with the Fantastic Four as does Doctor Doom and I think that it is a very Doctor Doom like thing to protect basically his library and his knowledge and to you know just wanting to always be the best even if he's not around at the moment now something i did find interesting though is like if you were going to take your younger self back anywhere in the past to teach yourself something i don't think i'd choose the cretaceous period like i I don't think i could survive there not let alone my younger self that's pretty dope man like the scenery of the dinosaurs is like going back into jurassic park or something like that like seeing all the dinosaurs you know how they lived yeah no i I agree it's really cool but i just i just don't think i'd be able to survive yeah true that true that yeah i mean i'll be terrified roaming with the dinosaurs i mean because of the rules of time travel uh, doesn't that mean that he knows that he can survive because he took himself back there already and he survived? Oh man, you just blew my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I guess, yeah, because if he's stuck in a time loop, is that what you're saying? Like, he, he already knows he can survive back there anyways? Yeah, I think, like, because he went back in time to get his younger self, his younger self has to become his forward self. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that his forward self would also go back in time to try to, you know, take himself even further back in time. Right. So so before I go with the big spoiler that, that 
that ended up this comic. Is, let, let's, is there anything else we want to say about it before I drop that bomb? Well, I was going to say, I just think it's really cool how uh, Kang kind of took him back through all his previous fights, you know, his losses with the Fantastic Four. You know, you get to see him fight the Avengers too. And, you know, it's just really cool to see like all these groups of heroes teaming up and, you know, maybe a glimpse of what we're going to get into the MCU coming up. Yeah, just to add on into that, I do like the fact how he does show his younger self like his failures, you know, how he didn't win all his, you know, battles. Uh, regardless if you planned it and were very, you know, meticulous in the details and all that, you're still eventually might lose to a battle and you might have to, you know, accept that, but it won't, you know, um, destroy you in the end. You know, obviously you will learn from your mistakes and hopefully grow and become more powerful. Yeah, I think he takes like the whole idea of like learn from your uh, losses to a whole new level by taking his past self like that and just showing him like upfront, like, oh, this is what's going to happen or this could happen. Let's try to avoid that rather than like, I guess moving on with the future. He decides to go back and try to change that for himself. Yeah, but he also doesn't celebrate his victories or the joys in his life because we, we do see that towards the end of the book, he actually finds more humans in the Cretaceous period. Pretty cool, by the way. They all seem to be, you know, natives to the land. So we don't know how they got there, but they are there. And and he just kind of... Um, older Kang slaughters everybody. Um, just because younger Kang was, was connecting with them and actually enjoying himself and enjoying his life. And he kind of goes to say, like, hey, life's passing me by. And life is out there, not in here. And that's when Kang just, you know, slaughters the whole village. You know, he's really trying to teach himself a lesson about not getting too attached because attachment can also lead to failure and can lead to not achieving your goals. There's a really good line in uh, Game of Thrones where it's uh, love is the death of duty, which, you know, means like, you know, when it comes to choosing between what you have to do and the people you love, uh, you're always going to end up choosing the people you love over what you have to do. But yeah, Kang, I mean, older Kang, too, he's brutal. I mean, once he found out that the younger Kang was, like, in love with these people, he just basically gave him, like, slap, whap, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and be like, what? Heck no. And yeah, uh, like how Eltrarm said, he went ahead and destroyed the village, you know, just because he ended up loving, you know, the tribe. Yeah, all just from seeing the word love. You say he's brutal, but I think younger Kang probably takes the case on brutality because he ends up stealing the suit and just abandoning the older Kang there. Just in the nick of time before, you know, the end hits the land, so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty brutal. I think that that was part of the plan, though, right? Like, you take your person there, you tell them, hey, we got a year until you figure this out. And in the end, technically, he did figure it out. He escaped. Yeah, you're not so wrong. That's, that's what he wanted, right? So, But is that like one of his plans? Like, you know how you were saying, oh, he's, you know, he already knows how it's going to end. So did he already know that he was going to stay there? That was his end? That's what I was thinking, too. I mean, it just throws you, like, in the loop. Like, what do you believe in, you know? is this Was this plan all along or was just, like, a surprise in the end, you know? Who knows, you know? You can make the argument either way because, you know, you do in the story, you hear him say, oh, he's been drinking more, this and that. Like, if you knew you were going to die and you knew, like, the end was coming, maybe that's one of the ways that he was coping with it, you know? Like, mm, yeah, 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 he was also thinking about the love of his life that, like, died right in front of him. And that could also be part of it. But, like, you're like, okay, I have to teach this kid not to be attached. And on top of that, this is going to kill me. I don't really have anything else to do in the Cretaceous period. PS5s are not out, you know? <laughs> So I guess I'm going to drink. Maybe that is the key thing, you know, not loving because throughout the story, it's about him loving his lover, I guess. Him like telling them not to love the village and blah, 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 you know. So, yeah, I guess I could believe in that. All right. So we're going to wrap it up and uh, give our, our grading scale. I shall go first. For me... Kang the Conqueror, issue number one. It was good. I enjoyed it very much. Very detailed. 
I didn't know too much of Tanya the Conqueror, so this is a great introduction of him. I shall give it a Kawabunga. So it's definitely going to be uh, a good one for me. So I suggest, you know, you guys, if you guys uh, are a comic book uh, shop, go ahead and pick up this Kang the Conqueror. How about you, Youngji? Yeah, as for myself, I give Kang the Conqueror like a solid, strong 7. I Kind of like what Eltrans had mentioned before, he's someone who doesn't appreciate, you know, what he's done. He just really dwells on what his losses were and, you know, I guess he's trying to like fix what he, like all of his mistakes or what he considers like big mistakes that could be life-changing for him. Uh, I think he's like, like a really depressed character and I feel like they really show that by having him take his younger self and trying to like relive the moments but make like the right changes, so. Do you think he goes, hey King, why so blue? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe he did, and we they didn't, they didn't show it. Uh, but yeah, I, I in the end, like, I do give it a seven. It's it's really good as a number one issue. Okay, okay, seven is a passing. I'll take that. Take that. How about you, L Charms? Yeah, so I'm gonna have just reiterate what Young G said over here. He does seem like a sad character, depressed character. He actually reminds me a lot of like a Rick Sanchez type character. You know, he he's time traveling. Rick Sanchez dimension travels. He's drunk all the time. He's depressed. Like we're talking like season one Rick. So for those of you who watch Rick and Morty, that's kind of the comparison I got just from reading King the Conqueror. That being said, I'm gonna give it in the stash or trash. This one goes into the trash. Maybe I'll bring it back out reading the rest of these comics, but as of right now, I was just disappointed. He's the next big bad. I wanted a better story. I wanted to know more about him. Maybe I'm putting too much on this, but I think they could have done better. Ouch. All right. Hopefully uh, the next issue will uh, bring up your uh, game into uh, reading this King the Conqueror. I got high expectations, man. I got high expectations. <laughs> All right, how about you, Professor? Um, personally, I really like this comic. I'm going to give it a B. I really enjoyed I, I like where it's going. Most of my criteria is really, like, like the art is really good. The story is really gripping. It was actually a pretty, like, lengthy comic. I was really surprised, and I, I kind of really liked that. You know, it wasn't very basic. But one of the things that I value most is, will I be picking up the next issue? And this is a definite, yes, I will be picking up the next issue with this. Even if we don't like, even if like nobody else liked it but me, I definitely would pick up the next issue. So that's why I gave it a B. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm loving it. All right. So our next segment, which is the uh, pick of the week, is basically each variant bro has to select a comic they have uh, read recently and we'll give you a quick summary with uh, light spoilers. I, for one, will go ahead first. For me, my uh, pick of the week is the Defenders, issue number one. Um, starts off with uh, Doctor Strange. He's the uh, main character and I guess he gets involved with these um, reading cards. Eventually it tells him that he has to create a whole uh, team which is called the Defenders. I was kind of pretty psyched out because one of the Defenders it turns out to be a uh, Silver Surfer so just a light spoiler on that. Yeah he just builds a team in the end and sometimes him bringing the team it's awesome because he basically takes, uh, takes them away from their timeline into his timeline so that's the crazy part of it and sometimes they're mad at it <laughs> mad at him for taking you know them away from their uh timeline so um it's pretty dope that's a so. pretty powerful team doctor strange and a silver surfer already like there's wow. a few more but i don't want to give away so that's something that you know you guys uh, should pick up and it's called the defenders all right so now i'm gonna give away to young g what's your pick of the week yeah so my pal is Carnage, Black, White, and Blood, issue number four. Uh, I've been like trying to keep you know up to date with this, uh, I guess, series. Buying every issue when it comes out. Uh, this issue had Car Carnage Beyond, Skin Deep, and The End of Humanity. So three different stories in one book. 
from the three, I really enjoy the end of humanity. It takes like this alien approach where like instead of an alien, it's carnage, like in this apocalyptic world. And obviously when someone gets to it and is infected, things get a little crazy. Honestly, I this this pal, at least for me, is it's alright. Not too big of a fan of it, but I definitely want to finish uh this five oh five. And right now we're at four oh five, so I can't wait for the next one. Alright, alright. Moving on. I'm gonna kick it away to El Charms. Thank you. So my pick of the week, my pal. And not only is this my pick of this week, but it's this one goes into the Hall of Fame for me. This comic is called Murder Falcon by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. Just to give you the rundown, some kaijus attack Earth, and one man and his guitar, with the power of metal, give Murder Falcon, a humanoid falcon with a metal arm, the strength to fight for humanity. Throughout the story, the protagonist reunites his band, makes new allies, and orders to stop bigger and badder evils. This isn't just about kaiju fights. There's a deeper story here. I suggest you pick it up. 20 bucks, you get the whole story. It's all in a collected, nice collected trade back, and it's got a sick cover. Oh, it's pretty dope. If you guys want to see it, it'll be on the website. And just a shout out to my friend Jeff, who turned this uh, comic book on to me. It was a great pick. Awesome, it's like awesome. a D&D campaign with a bard. <laughs> you got a fighter. It's <laughs> a crazy cover. I'm digging it. I like it. It has that comic feel. All right, so now I'm going to pass it on to the professor. All right, guys, my pal for this week will be Static Season 1, uh, specifically issue number 2. Also, read the first one. Static Shock, everybody knows, well, I hope you guys know, uh, about his show back in the 90s, 2000s, where, you know, he's a kid who has uh, powers of electricity. Some things went down in the first one. I won't spoil them for you, but, you know, I like these comics because they're very topical. It's like a teen, you know, learning about controlling his powers who also goes to, you know, a high school with other teens who also got powers i think it's very unique in that it blends together very well like current events and it's written by uh vita ayala crisscross and uh, nicholas draper ivy they did a great job the art in this is fantastic and the story is very very good as well um i recommend you highly pick it up all right all right i'm loving it i'm loving it all right so our third variant is the debate and young g will lead us the way and hype us up in getting the to the next round take it away young g Alright, kicking it off, uh, we'll have a debate on the Sokovia Accords. We're gonna have a nice clean debate. No fish hooking, no eye gouging, uh, hits above the belt, and no stealing anyone's girl. Alright, in the Iron Avengers corner, we have the challengers, Mad D and the Professor. Yeah! <laughs> and in the first Avengers corner, we got the reigning, defending, undisputed champions Ooh. of the world, Young G and L Charms. Now I'll charge with the summary. Why wow, you guys have one fan? <laughs> <laughs> the Sokovia Accords first appear in the MCU film Captain America Civil War and are a culmination of ca- mass casualty events associated with the Avengers. The Battle of New York, the Hydra Uprising, a.k.a. the Fall of S.H.I.E.L.D., and the one the Accords are named after, the Battle of Sokovia, have left governments around the world shaking, waiting for the next existential threat. The Accords are designed to regulate the activities of enhanced individuals, whether they work for the government, like S.H.I.E.L.D. does, or whether they are private organizations, just like the Avengers. The Accords were proposed by 117 nations of the UN. Some highlights of the Accords are, enhanced individuals will operate under the supervision of the UN panel only when and if the panel decides it's necessary. Enhanced individuals must register with the UN. Enhanced individuals who do not sign cannot be heroes. Enhanced individuals who operate outside the Accords may be detained indefinitely without trial. Alright, now touch gloves and let's do it. 
really quickly, really quickly, I want to give a shout out to our sources. We use the MCU wiki for all this. I also uh, use the UN website for a little bit of mine. All right, guys. Uh, over here in the Iron Avengers corner, we're going to start it off. Mm-hmm. Our first point we want to make is we are pro accords. That's right. And the reason is good guys follow the law while bad guys ignore it. You can't have superheroes ignore the law. A law that you guys made up. Hold up. Let's hold bring on, that hold up. On, hold on. I'm not done with my point oh, yet. Yeah, okay. Go on, Rob. Let me. Let me. All right. See? All right. All right. That's how it starts off. <laughs> let me hold them back. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Good guys have to follow laws. Laws are in place in order to do things the correct way. If you don't do things the correct way, then the chain of evidence can be disrupted and therefore more bad people can be left out onto the street. All right. We don't want that. What we want is the accords. What we want is accountability. Now, can I butt in? First off, the Accords provide no accountability. If anything, they provide a shift of blame. Because the Accords require the UN and 117 nations on that panel to give permission for the Avengers to move from one area to another to accept different uh, jobs, different threats, threat levels. And that takes away the accountability that the Avengers have and puts it at best as a a shared... a shared accountability between the Avengers and the UN, at worst, squarely on UN politicians. Yeah, but that's a lot better than the current system of superheroes just entering whatever country they want, doing whatever they want, and then leaving. At least in this way, you have the permission of the sovereign nation in order to be there, instead of just going there, destroying stuff, killing people, and then leaving. Even if, at best, let's say Iron Man, you know, donates a very generous amount in order to help out with repairs... That doesn't necessarily account for lives lost or other things like hospital bills, repairs, taxes, and all the multitude of things that come with the destruction the Avengers leave. Let's not forget that there's the Hulk rampage in both Brazil and Johannesburg, Loki when he terrorized New York, the terrorist attack in Lagos in which Scarlet Witch blew up um, a whole bunch of buildings and people. Um, There's uh, the time where Cap destroyed the Triskelion, which... Uh, caused debris and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff from three different helicarriers and buildings to collapse in Washington, D.C. And not to mention when Hawkeye uh, turned into Ronin and started a murder spree all over the world from Mexico to Japan to many other different countries in Endgame. All right. So since you did look up a lot of the U.N. stuff, I'm going to ask you this. All the events that you just mentioned are events that needed quick reactions. Do you know how long it takes the UN to pass anything that's called quick reactions? Yes, but it at takes the same time, weeks yes. to a month. Yes, the it does. Avengers do not have weeks to a month to wait for a whole panel to decide whether or not they should be there. If normal police officers and other people like that have to wait, why are the Avengers any different? They don't have to wait. There's something called first responders, and that's what the Avengers are acting as. They're acting as first responders. Now, Here's the difference of what what I see happening. The Battle of New York, I'm going to take that as a first one, was a reaction. They were trying to stop all this destruction that was happening in the first place. Now, there's a difference when you have the Battle of New York as when you have the, what do they call it, the Battle of Sokovia. The Battle of Sokovia was more pre-planned. What I'm trying to get at is there's reactive heroes and there's heroes as a deterrent. And that's what the Avengers have become now. They first were reactive heroes. Heroes who were on the scene and trying to stop things from happening that were currently happening. Then Tony Stark came up with the Iron Shield, gave birth to, gave birth to Ultron, and tried to create or created the Avengers as a deterrent, which invited more conflict. 
Okay, so... <laughs> Alright, just to add on to what uh, Professor is saying, that, you know, the Avengers eventually start off, you know, destroying cities, you know... We uh, I don't know that, that the, right? the Avengers destroyed a city on purpose. They're well, defending a city. Indirectly, yeah. Uh, They're defending a city, and, it, and that but, happens in any war, in any battle that we've seen. There is casualties, and there is collateral damage. But yes. we These can't are get superheroes, super people cause super damage. You're not wrong. They do cause super damage, and they are superheroes causing super damage. But they're also fighting forces which also cause that kind of damage, if not more. Ultron levitated a whole freaking city. The Chitauri because the Avengers to... have no hold nobody on, hold looking on. over them. The one person who created Ultron is the person you're defending. If anything, Tony... Actually, we're defending the Sokovia Accords. You're he def- signed the Accords. That's why we're doing this. It's yeah, not, and we're Tony not defending Stark Tony. Is we're ma- defending the Accords. Well, and Tony Stark is making broad assumptions and he's using guilt as his motivation for creating these Accords, for backing up these Accords. He's like literally the worst person who should be backing these up. But he is backing them up. Because yeah, and the Avengers need accountability. And, oh, yeah, they do need accountability, but taking that accountability... You you. that's our point. But taking that accountability and giving it to the UN is the wrong place to take the accountability. In fact, the accountability should stay in their hands. Whether they have to go somewhere should be in their hands. Captain America said it best in the, in the actual movie himself. He said, what if there's some place we need to go and they won't let us? Or what if there's some place we know we shouldn't be going and they send us there? He's right. The power is best in their hands. I feel like since the UN has to ratify these decisions and 117 countries have to... 117 countries out of, uh, according to the MCU wiki, 150 have decided to ratify these accords, which means 117 countries do not agree how the Avengers are dealing with issues at the moment. 117 of those countries are run by politicians. Politicians are not the ones who are fighting there. They're not the ones making those decisions, those quick decisions that the Avengers have to make. And they don't know how to make those decisions. The only one in that UN council that can probably make those decisions is Black Panther. That's about it. Everybody else is not qualified to make those decisions. They've never been in battle. They've never had to deal with those world-ending events from the standpoint of the Avengers. Yes, they have to deal up with the cleanup. Yes, they have to deal up with the casualties. But they do not have to deal with fighting. They don't know how that works. I don't think they have to be in it to know what they're dealing with. Dude, have you noticed what's going on in the world right now? But the decisions of politicians that yeah, making bad decisions. No, they exactly my point. They instruct. They and they don't know how to do that. Current events will show you that they cannot handle those decision-making tasks. I don't think that we can bring current events into a fictional world. But, we just brought the UN into a fictional world. <laughs> I think current events are a fair game. But here their too. own UN, our UN has 193 nations. Theirs only has 151. And we're assuming that the politicians in their world are any different than the politicians in our world? They're regular humans who've come to power. And in fact, we've even seen corrupt humans come into power. The Triskelion falling was because Hydra infiltrated the, US, the shield. And some of those US senators were corrupt. These same US senators who would probably be you know, feeding things into the UN Council. However, it would take a very large amount of corruption before the UN got, because of how the UN works, you need to be nominated and then you have to go into a whole bunch of different places and committees have to choose and committees choose the members, committees choose each and everything. So So that brings us back to time. They don't have this time to sit around. Yeah, I mean, like having all these tabs, like what... I was trying to say, it's too much time. Like, 
back to like the collateral damage like i feel like damage is still damaged it'll still happen i don't think any tab is gonna be like, oh let's reduce we're gonna re we're gonna be able to reduce you know the feel like the damages that occur it's still gonna happen i don't see how it doesn't make a difference other than slowing them down and we can see that in civil war tony stark in his iron man suit is literally shooting small torpedoes onto a tarmac damaging the tarmac that was his choice to make and he still decided to do that yeah that's and is that not collateral damage yeah that's exactly that's not why minimized. the avengers need this accountability, accountability. accountability. Exactly. so what is accountability not, to see you guys? Well, wasn't he also signed sense. by then he was signed by then too he was already he was already so who's so, was he attacked yeah, no, he provoked the no, attack too. That, On top of that, he provoked the attack. Being attacked or not, like it's still like it's still damaged, and their tabs, so-called tabs, didn't do anything. Yeah, they destroyed okay. a whole airport. Well, if I remember, I remember seeing Atman training big and destroying, or going after the airplane and destroying it. Yeah, but we also so. saw Tony Stark blowing up tarmacs. We saw. We saw Spider Man destroy all the cars. cars. Yeah, yeah. We it's saw, called we collateral saw, damage. Spider Man destroy some of the yes. Equipment. This collateral damage is exactly what needs to be stopped. But what do you call accountability? Accountability, because to Make me, awareness. Be aware of your surroundings. Don't go. With, okay, know, so we're talking about awareness. What did the first Avenger do in New York? Set up a perimeter. Literally told the police officer, set up a perimeter three blocks away. Move everyone back and make sure that all everybody's inside. He was literally doing damage control as he was dealing with the current problem at hand. No politician is going to be able to do that. We don't know that no politician is able to do that. We um, do know that no politician is able to do that. I don't feel like that's uh, taken for a certainty, but okay. Oh. All I'm saying is that the Avengers do cause a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. um, let's just put it into perspective. Um, unfortunately, you know, 9-11. Uh, Weeks after, 6,000 people were dead. A toxic smoke cloud... Uh, killed approximately uh, 18,000 more. That's not accounting for water reservoirs, air quality, or how many children were left without families, the medical bills, and the damage to unborn babies and rescue workers. According to some articles that I read, the damage was approximately $4.2 billion. That was only for the two buildings that were destroyed in 9-11. How much do you think it would be for like a city that was blown up, or the damage that was caused in Johannesburg in Africa when the Hulk went on his rampage, or even when he destroyed a factory in Brazil, or any of the other. Uh, so who do you hold accountable for those, and who paid for those? The Avengers and nobody. No, no, no. I'm those. talking about 9/11 here. Who who do you hold accountable for those, and how did they pay for that? That is a terrorist attack. Exactly my point. The the same thing can be said about the Battle of New York. The same thing can be said about the Battle of Sokovia. The same thing can be said about the Triskelion event. Those are all terrorist attacks. Yeah, but the Avengers also have a uh, like like I said, the whole rampage in Johannesburg. I agree with we that. We do have Hawkeye as, as there's in a his pattern and there's a history. You know, do, do you guys realize? Do you guys off. realize that the things that were attacking were doing just as much, if not more, damage? Their intent was to destroy. Okay, how about the Civil War? It was just them. Yeah, it was and just man, two sides. I mean, yeah, you, I agree with that. Well, that's not a terrorist attack. That's just them fighting. That is a moral attack. That's the moral of fighting that they did within themselves that turned into physical fighting. I, know, I agree with that. The they did destroy it, but yeah. both sides are accountable. Are they? Did yes, they are. I didn't see them staying, you know. Hold on, hold on. Did you not realize three of them were arrested at the end of that fight? And what did they get? 
Two of them got house arrest. Wanda and Vision are just out about in the Under world. Under the Sokovia Accords, that's what they got. So literally, your own accords gave them those punishments. Uh, no, Captain America broke them out of prison. No, no, no. You're talking about Scott Lang who got a, a house arrest. That was under the Sokovia Accords. Because he was in jail and then he was broken out by Captain America. But this Accords that dealt with their punishment. Literally, the Accords were ratified. There's no, there's nowhere that it says the Accords were ratified. The Accords were ratified. The Accords did not hold it's them accountable. The system. Yeah, it's a fault in the system. The, the Accords did not hold them accountable. They didn't even know what to do with them. Exactly. And and how how strong are these accords? If when Captain America decided, hey, I'm gonna go save Bucky, Iron Man, Tony Stark literally told him, we can all make this legal if you just sign right now, dude. Really? How strong are those accords if you can just sign on whenever you want? Mm, I don't know about it's yeah. literally in the movie. You can't say you don't know about that. It's in the movie. I guess I have to rewatch it. All right. Anything else? Oh, I'm waiting for more here to text. I got I got some stuff right here. Do you want me to go for it? Yeah, please. All right. Uh, the UN Council, we can go back to that. How I'm telling you that they're not capable of de- determining how what actions should be taken and when they should be taken. Also, agendas change. What's, that, what's there from preventing them from going and saying, yo, we don't want the Avengers to go over here and another country creating their own Avengers? What's wrong with another country creating their own Avengers? It violates the Sokovia Accords. The what Sokovia if they Accords, sign the Ex- Sokovia Accords? What if they don't? Countries like Russia and North Korea wouldn't sign the Accords, would they? They're part of the UN, so they would. But have they to don't sign have to course. sign the accords. They can choose. Their heroes can choose not to sign the accords. Operate as vigilantes and operate so you're outside. About the like he has Captain America team. Exactly. Not be part of the accords. Exactly. That can happen so many times. I mean, if we if we really look at this, the only one who's benefiting from this right now is the U.S. That's where all these Avengers are based in right now, minus Black Panther. But the U.S. can't unilaterally send them out to do their own bidding. So can no, not. they? I mean, they literally do, in the real world, the U.S. says something. More often than not, the U.N. agrees with them. Except for that's not how decisions are made in the U.N. But they are. <laughs> that's the thing. The current U.N. is so corrupt, man. Look about. Look at it this way. Back in 1990s, there was a program that was food for, for bombs, food for uh, guns out in the Middle East. And then we find out that the food that they were given, that the UN was giving out, was not even you know human grade food. Like people couldn't eat this food, and there was so corrupt, so much corruption going by, where the people who actually got the food were people who didn't need it. On top of that, in Peru, they started a they started a human population program where the people of Peru, the women of Peru, were being sterilized, and this went on for years up until two thousand two. And we were ta- we heard about the horrors, this forced sterilization that was given to them. How can you let a, co- a community, an organization like this, run some of the most powerful people on earth? Currently, there has still been there has still been corruption inside the UN, where they have sexual abuse cases and child trafficking within the UN caused by UN peacekeepers that still haven't been brought to justice. And you want this these people to control literally weapons grade humans? They're not capable. Well, <clears throat> well, the council, it's always voted by the people, right? Is that not true? Or... The UN is whoever, is they send, whoever the, the state decides to send, whichever country decides to send a representative, they decide who their representative is. I don't think they're even asking. But that country them. votes for them. Have you right? ever voted the for the UN? <laughs> the committee um, will elect members to different committees, and different committees make different decisions on different things. Like the war council is uh, 15 countries, so 15 representatives. 
And then there's only, I believe, six of them are permanent members, while the others are rotating. All right. So one of the, now going back to maybe moralistic or personal uh, issues that I have with this one is just Tony Stark in general. He's backing up these things. I've told you already that he's making broad assumptions and he's, his guilt is his motivation. He even says in the beginning of the movie, once he presents the accords and asks everyone to sign, that they do need accountability. And in whatever form it takes, he's game. That means there was a there was a chance, and there is still a chance, and there should have been a chance to look at these accords, make changes, and move some of the the weirder stuff, or some of the stuff that's definitely against the law, at least against our U.S. law, out of there. For example, um, it says right here, individuals must register with the UN, which requires them to do biometric scanning and DNA. It also re- requires them to release their identities all these things is something that they shouldn't be doing that's a big for a government obviously you always give your uh what fingerprints and you're right and your legal and you're you're right and i don't think and i and, and this is also where captain america says they shouldn't be working for a government like i said their power is best in their own hands what is makes it, Captain America so great about that he can decide where everything should go? Why should he be the only person who gets to say? And keep in mind, he did work for USA. Come on, it's Captain America. So and he did work for USA. And there was a big turning that. point in, in Captain America Winter Soldier where he said that they made concessions. They made uh, compromises. And that was fine at the time. But what they were doing now, that is fear. And he that's when he did his, you know, 180. And he walked, he didn't walk away from the United States, but he walked away from being controlled by a government organization because he saw a big change. Now, when you say what makes him... Above the law. Uh, yeah. Not above the law. You, you, can you repeat <laughs> what you said? What makes him be able to choose where he needs to go? Is that is that what you said? Not really, but sure. Answer your no, question. No, 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 no. Go, go, go ahead. Uh, what, what was your question? What makes him so... Yeah, basically what makes him think that he's like the greatest person on the planet Earth, that he's the only one who knows what's best for everybody. I don't, think, right. I don't think he knows what's best for anybody. And I don't know. I think he knows what's right. What he's saying is that the powers they have is best in their own hands because if we start giving these powers, not giving these powers to somebody else, but giving the, the ability for them to use these powers and send them where the government says to send them, you're starting to get into the fact that now you're talking about agendas. Yes, they have their own personal agendas, and that's a fallacy that everybody has. But at least we, they will know where their loyalties lie. When the government is telling them, when the UN is telling them, hey, you got to go do this, and they don't agree with that, I mean, that kind of starts moving into like their own moral compass. It's like, well, I don't think I should be here, but I have to be here because the government told me so, or the UN told me so. I don't think that's right for them. Oh, maybe they're not looking at the bigger picture. Um, <clears throat> what is the bigger picture? Please enlighten me. The bigger me. picture is like, okay, let's say Captain America runs free, right? Okay. He has his own missions. Okay. Okay, so what if, you know, the government finds out, you know, there's another situation that's going on, mm-hmm. but can't seem to locate Captain America. Captain America is unaware of this other situation, probably mm-hmm. bigger mm-hmm. than what he's, you know, focusing on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like a disadvantage, you know, of him not working. And, and how with many, the how many, how many threats has the government found in the MCU that they were able to respond to, or were even even caught wind of? They weren't aware of Ultron. They weren't aware of the Chitari coming in. They weren't aware of Yellow Jacket. And those were all minor threats that each Avenger dealt with on their own, except for you know the Ultron and. Uh, 
and the Bat Digitari in New York. They weren't aware of these things at the time. In fact, the Avengers were aware before the governments were aware, and they dealt with them. But wouldn't it be best if they both worked together instead of just one-sided and it, not work? It would, it I mean, would, it would it's be an advantage, best. I'm saying, because they have access to files. Government have tons of files, you know, that prior get help with each other, you know? I mean... At the time, prior to the Sokovia Accords, Tony Stark was the one who was accumulating files on people. And then prior to that, it was Nick Fury, both who were working outside of the government's regulations. Should so they get working. files illegally, is what you're saying? That's what they've been doing so far. I mean, I'm not saying it's the best thing. I'm not saying it's morally right. But it's been getting the job done so far. But it's wrong. And what I'm trying to say, like, they never found out in enough time for the government to actually do something. In fact, the only time we see government cooperation or government, uh, what do they call this? I guess government cooperation is when Scarlet Wish regrettably blew up that building. We see Captain America call for fire and, sa- and safety for that one. Fire and ambulances and that, and basically calling for backup at that point. That's the only time we've when seen When they were that. operating in a country without its permission and without their knowledge. I'm not seeing what's wrong about that. The country itself didn't know that they had these terrorists in their country. The country itself did not have the capability to defend itself. They were there trying to capture this terrorist and trying to defend itself, trying to defend the world, basically from a biological weapon that Crossbones was stealing. Um, I think that it's an assumption that they couldn't uh, protect themselves. We don't know, and now we'll never get to know. Hold on, hold on. How do we know it's an, yeah, how do we know it's an assumption when they literally broke in, were not detained, were able to get the biological weapon? Just that right there lets you know that they were not prepared for them. They can't defend themselves. All right, so now we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, guys. That was a great debate. We're going to put in our two cents uh, and our last, you know, uh, thoughts on this. Uh, I will go ahead first. Um, as for me, I am pro Sokovia Accords. I am with the team Iron Man. Um, just because, you know, as a uh, professor said, that, you know, good guys, you know, obey the law. Bad guys don't. I believe in accountability. Uh, I don't think Captain America or his team is above the law. They're not Judge Dredd, you know, judge, jury, and executioner. I think, you know, it's a good thing that, you know, the heroes should work with the government. It's an advantage for both parties, so you can't lose from there. How about you, Young G? Yeah, again, I'm still against the, you know, the Accords. I, I don't see how much of a benefit the Accords could apply still. I I feel like it's just just like wasting time. Like it'll, it'll kill the time that they'll need. I don't see how you know these heroes. They're they're always fighting for what's right. I don't see why we need the accords to kind of like slow them down. I just think it's not not the best idea to do that to admit them. I don't know, but those are my thoughts. All right. How about you, El Charms? Uh, yeah, my closing thoughts are: I'm still against the accords. I don't see, like Jiang Ji said, the purpose for them. It doesn't make them any more accountable than they are today. It does slow them down, and I just don't don't agree with the accords. I mean, for the what we talked about here, they're just not. I don't think the UN has the capability or the expertise to deploy it such a team. All right, and you, Professor, how about you? Like my uh, brothers here, I also have not uh, shifted my stance. I'm very pro accords, simply because there's a way that things should be done. Uh, very idealistic and there's a way that things have to be done which uh, a lot of the times is unfortunate Um, like young g said it does uh, take a lot of time there are some faults in the system you know sometimes it's not for the good of everybody that these decisions get made but 
that's the way things are. We need to have laws uh, or else we don't have a society. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into this, a lot of diplomacy, you know, just because you guys can do something doesn't mean you should or, you know, you have the right to. I, I agree that, um, you know, good guys follow laws, bad guys break them, even if uh, a lot of people, you know, don't see it that way. All right. That's all for today. Our next comment of the week will be King Spawn. And for what's the issue, it will be celebrities endorse comics. Thank you so much. Uh, please like, follow, and subscribe our page. Thank you for listening and have a good night. I remember my first braille. Oh snap. Hope you got lucky. Everything is fine.